Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. All right, Brad, let's say you find yourself in the fortunate position to have a wonderful asset. You've operated that asset, whether it's real estate or an operating business, you've operated for, you know, whatever, four, five, six, seven years, maybe 20, maybe 30 years, and you're ready to sell it. Yes. Yeah, it's a great, that's a great time in your life. Cha-ching. Uh, but, you know, y- now you're faced with this decision about, okay, how do you actually sell this thing? You know, how, do you hire a, a banker or a broker? And if you do, how do you f- go about finding those folks? So that's what today's episode is going to be about. You know, one, whether you should hire a bran- banker or a broker, we'll cover that quickly. And then, um, you know, going through the actual process itself. How does that sound? That sounds delightful. All right, well, let's, okay, let's start off with the obvious, right? So, you, you know, you own a you know, so you own a commercial real estate building in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and you've owned it. For, it's been in your family for 50 years. You're ready to sell it. You want to divvy up the proceeds amongst your uh, your adorable grandkids. Your kin. <laughs> yeah, your next of kin. Um, let's start with the first question is, should you hire a banker or a broker? And, and maybe just even elaborate a little bit on the difference when we use those terms between what we mean by banker and broker. Yeah, so I'm always shocked when... A, a group or a seller does not elect to hire a banker or broker. Yeah, which it, is funny because that's what I'm trying to get people to do every day when I'm reaching out to the... I'm, I'm trying to find someone who just wants to sell to me and not hire a banker, but I agree with you. It's unusual. Yeah. I, well, I probably purchased half of the properties direct. Uh, maybe call it 40%. Oh, wow. Without an intermediary. Yeah. By, um, by the way, intermediary is a fancy way of saying banker or broker, isn't it? Yeah, or or there is a technically there's a broker somewhat involved, uh, but uh, they don't publicly list it. They're just advising, and they take a very small mm-hmm. fee. But uh, you know, it's we proactively either reached out to the seller and talked them into it, or the seller kind of found us and then decided, well, I better run this by a broker just to make sure I'm not getting fleeced. Yeah, sure. So okay, so you're shocked when people do not use a banker or broker, and why is that? So we we'll talk, walk us through the. Well, I think I've mentioned this before because you know now that I've, I'm a business owner, I do understand, I guess, the rationale that you know you don't want to have uh, your employees find out, and maybe you want to do a quiet process. Yeah. So that I I get, uh, but I still don't understand why you wouldn't at least quietly go out to at least ten to you know twenty groups. Uh, you maybe don't put it on a website and you know blast it to the universe, but so why why might you um, use a broker, right? You want an auction process so you know you're going to get maximum price. Yeah, and like you know that's let's not overlook that's a big one. That's right? a big you, one. You generally want the highest price. You can you know all other things being equal. Well, right? it also takes away the you know the question mark. You know if you if you just decide on a price that hey you feel good about. You'll always wonder, gee, did, mm. I, did I not sell it far enough? Yeah, like well, maybe those grandkids are they they get a little older and they question whether you why didn't you use a broker? Yeah, grand, granddad, did hey, you get the highest price? Why did you get fleeced? And then you say you ungrateful little wretches, <laughs> like, you're you're cut out. So yeah. an auction process is like you know making a market. So this is what the stock market does all day, right? It's the a bid ask, yeah, right? and, and there's competitive nature to it. You know, oftentimes there's animal spirits kick in once you're you know down to the last couple of groups and. Somebody's just, you know what, screw it. I just want it. Yeah. And they up their number. And a great banker or broker will run a an efficient and sort of well-marketed auction process and try to get a bunch of buyers to bid, right? Yeah. And this is why the Warren Buffetts of the world hate auctions, right? right. Because right. They're, yeah. they're competitive. <laughs> yeah, most buyers don't love them, right? Yeah. You know, uh, it doesn't mean you can't get a great deal as a, as a buyer through an auction process. It's just a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, so then it also, you know, it signals seriousness on behalf of the seller, right? You know that the seller isn't messing around if they've engaged a broker, because oftentimes, uh, if you've hired a broker or banker, 
you're you're obligated to transact if you get a, a number that's high enough. Well, yeah. sorry, you're not obligated to transact, but you might owe them a commission even if you yeah. don't transact, or, or maybe you've even paid some sort of deposit. Yeah. Like, you know, so I think I think this is a very important one, right? The the signal to the world that you are a willing seller. You've gone through the motions of actually hiring a banker. You've paid some money. You've gone through the process. As someone who's been trying to buy a business for two and a half years, and basically going the proprietary route where I reach out directly to business owners. It's one of my biggest challenges is just knowing if someone's serious about selling. They may even say, hey, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll consider selling. Like, what's the number, right? And they just want their kind of tire kicker. So they want a number that you're willing to pay for their business. And I've actually learned to appreciate the uh, the, the banked or brokered process because you're like, All right, at least this person's willing to sell, right? Yeah. And there's some of that in real estate, but probably not quite as much as in the private equity world because, you know, oftentimes if the seller is kind of engaging with you in trading paper on a, an LOI, you know, they're probably pretty serious about selling. Whereas if somebody's got a business, they have maybe, you know, maybe they have 30 employees that feel like family to them and, and maybe they're, it's easier for them to back out and change their mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing a good banker or broker can do is they're probably going to be better at just telling the story of your business than you are, right? I mean, even if you could, in theory, make a market for, you know, you know, enough potential buyers where you can go out and, and get a little frothy and get some interest. You know, a good banker or broker is gonna is gonna document everything properly, put it into a slide deck. You know, weave it, weave a coherent narrative around it. Um, you know, put things in a format that a, uh, that all serious buyers will want to have it. And you know, just basic stuff like that that just make it a lot easier to to go through the process as a buyer. Yeah, and they they act as a filter too, right? You don't as the seller, you don't have to answer a, a ton of very direct pointed questions. You get this nice little buffer between you and the and the buyer. It's not to say that you should be disingenuous as a seller, but like the, the broker, he doesn't know everything yeah. that you do about the yeah. asset. Yeah, don't be afraid to uh, sell your business. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so, okay, so obviously a lot of reasons to hire a banker or a broker, which we just covered. Well, let's, let's take the opposite approach. And you kind of alluded to this earlier, that one of the big reasons why people don't is they just want to keep the whole thing on, on the DL, so that, as the kids say nowadays, right? Yeah. You know, what that means? you know what that means? Yeah, down low. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not Come even, on, I'm younger than you. That's not even something the kids say. That's like something like 38-year-olds say nowadays. <laughs> the kids say something that yeah, I don't lame 38-year-olds. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you want to maybe keep it quiet. Uh, you probably don't want your, maybe you don't want your employees to find out because, you know, it's not, it's not guaranteed that this is going to go through. Sure. Right? Yeah. So what happens if your employers all, or your employees all find out? And then they say, oh, shoot, uh, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to start looking for another job. Or they just quit on the spot. Yeah. They're like, forget this. When it's like, you know, in theory, this isn't supposed to happen, right? Because the bankers send out a teaser to a prospective universe of buyers. And that teaser is all anonymous, right? It doesn't mention the name of the company. I'm just talking about private equity world. And yeah. you can... You know, it doesn't mention the name of the company. It doesn't even mention the specific sort of geography of the company. It might, it might say it's generally in the Southeast or Southwest. And then it describes what the company does. But like, it's shockingly easy to quickly triangulate <laughs> what that business is, right? Totally. And so, you know, the people that are supposed to not kind of pass this stuff around, they often do, um, especially with that teaser where you haven't even signed an NDA yet. You know, you've just gotten the initial teaser. And then um, some, some buyers are just brazen about it. They, you know, they'll just call the company or the, the real estate property. Oh my gosh. And they'll just start asking questions. And then people are like, those, those sound like buying questions. What's going on here? Oh, totally. Right. I, I know. I, we just talked to a guy the other day who is a, he's a he's CEO of a business. He is, uh, he did hire a banker and one of the folks that was looking at buying his business, you know, he was, he was still in the auction process, but 
they just started cold calling the company. They started cold calling employees in the company and just sort of like the salespeople and the customer service people just starting asking them questions and, you know, just raising a ton of red flags to these employees, right? It's totally. just super weird. Yeah. I mean, I've had, um, we sold a, one of our assets and I had the, the city that it was located in ended up calling our corporate office and, you know, just being like, hey, we got a bunch of people calling us about, uh, you know, verifying that this is properly licensed and yada, yada. Are you serious? Yeah. It's like, geez, I mean, you know, have some common sense. That's funny. Yeah, but it so, happens. It's hard to keep everything under under wraps. So that might be one of the big reasons. Not if you really care about confidentiality, you really don't want anyone to find out. Maybe you you would want to be more discreet. Maybe you wouldn't hire a banker or a broker. Well, I mean, I guess the other what's the other <laughs> the other big one is it costs money, right? Yeah, we so, probably should have led with that yeah, one. We probably should have led with this one. So it's not free, right? So you're you're going to pay something for a good banker or broker. Yeah, you know, what do you what's what's sort of a what are you guys paying in the real estate world for a, a decent banker or broker? Yeah, it all depends on the size of the deal. But yeah, you know, sliding eight, scale. Yeah, the 80% kind of range is probably going to be, you know, 1% on the low end for big deals to maybe 5% for really small deals. Um, but so here's a frame of reference. You know, they they probably the the these brokers are, are trying to make a few hundred thousand dollars per deal Yeah, is a good way to think about it. And maybe up to, you know, three quarters of a million dollars if you're doing, you know, uh, a 150, $200 million deal. Yeah. Right? I like so, that way of thinking about it. It's, yeah. it's, and you can always fiddle with the actual numbers where it might in the business or in the private equity world, there's this concept called the Lehman formula. And now there's like double Lehman and modified Lehman. You guys can Google that if you want to read about it, but essentially it's just a, it's some sort of sliding scale where it's like you get X percentage on the first X million dollars of the purchase price and, and Y percentage on the next Y million dollars, whatever it is. But it, but you're right. I think it kind of nets out to like these guys are making whatever, two hundred fifty to $750,000 per deal, probably depending on the size. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a million dollar deal, they're going to try to make, you know, 30 to 60,000, right? Just because they need some absolute number, right, to justify their time. Uh, but yeah, if you're talking kind of the, you know, five to you know, $20 million range, you're probably in the, you know, two to 3%. Yeah. Okay. So those might, those are at least two obvious reasons why you might not want to hire is confidentiality and then just the price you're going to pay. Yeah. And, it, but in theory, yeah, you, know, you, should, you should get that price. Yeah. You, you should, should get, get that back. Yeah. You should get that back. And what I like to do is generally, I guess uh, this is probably what, what you just talked about, the, the layman form, formula. Yeah. Lehman. Lehman. The, 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 layman, bank, that, layman. the bank that no longer right. exists. Um, is, you know, you, you tear it. Yeah. Based on, you know, some, Hey, uh, you can get, uh, maybe you make 0% up to a certain amount and then you get a disproportionate amount above that. Or I've seen that before, or you can just say, Hey, the first, you know, 20 million, you get X, the next 30 million. So I guess that's the same concept. Yeah. And by the way, there's often, at least again, in private equity, there's often a deposit that's associated with the, you know, you might have to pay 50,000 bucks up front just for them to go through all the hassle and the Which work. Which is nutty in my world. Is but it? Is it just because there's that much, every deal is so custom? I, yeah, I think it is. I mean, they, these guys do do a lot of work, right? They, they guys and spend, girls. Yeah, yeah, guys and girls, they do a ton of work. They, they, they go deep in the company. They go deep into the books and the finances and kind of put it all together. So yeah, I, it's a, it's a few month process. It's probably two to three months of just uh, front end work. Yeah. It's because in real estate, if somebody asked for a deposit, I would laugh at them. Interesting. Yeah. And again, it's just so funny to me. I mean, it's just, things are much more efficient in your world, huh? It's like, high, if you're going to sell, it's highly likely it's going to transact. Is that why? And it's just less work. Yeah. And they, they can also put a, something in the, the contract and often try, although you can fight against it to, you know, like I said, to guarantee if they get an offer above a certain amount and you don't transact, right. You've just flat out turned down the offer. Yeah. Um, yeah. then, then they get a commission regardless. Okay. So 
there's okay there's the reasons why you might or may not hire a broker but you know in general we we recommend you do and you, and you want to hire a good one so right so let's get into how do you actually go about finding a broker um you know I'm, as i'm looking at this list we jotted down brad i it's strikingly similar to how you would go about finding a doctor. <laughs> you know, like if you're going to get a vasectomy, say, Ooh. Uh, you don't, you want to find someone who's done a lot of them, right? Yeah. And you'd want to get one, a vasectomy on master's weekend. That's a, <laughs> that's a little tip for everybody out there. Uh, uh, which this, is, yeah. Assuming you want to watch the masters, which I, I, <laughs> I actually, this is probably too much information, but uh, no, I think the listeners want to know. <laughs> I think they're curious. I think I did get my vasectomy on Masters Week, and I didn't even realize it. I didn't watch the Masters. And not, was it Final Four or Masters? I think it was one of the other ones. Well, both would be great. Yeah. Yeah. I got mine on Masters Week, and it was lovely. I just, you know, watched the whole thing all weekend. And we just lost the last listener. Okay, so let's get getting back. Okay. What do you look fine, for in a broker? Fine. What do you look for? Um, obviously, volume, right? You want someone who's done a lot of these, but more specifically, what, what kind of volume are you looking for? Well, you want to... Ideally, in your industry, yeah. in that asset class that you're selling, right in in the price range yeah. that you're thinking of, yeah. right? You want somebody who's not uh, who's been there before, is not making this up as they go along and hoping for a good outcome. Yeah, I mean, this is this is just this is just makes sense on so many levels, right? So one, they they know your business or your property very well, right? They've seen maybe five, ten, or twenty very similar ones, but they also know the universe of buyers already, right? They know exactly the like thirty or forty or fifty or hundred different firms that might be interested in what you're selling. They probably already had relationships with them from the previous processes. I just it just makes a ton of yeah, sense. Yeah, you want you want the the guy or girl that's been to the late night bar with all these uh, prospective buyers and 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 knows them intimately and very well and is close and you know is friendly can call <laughs> them on stuff if they start screwing around. Yeah, I like that you weaved in intimately with a late night bar uh, rendezvous. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I won't touch that one. But you know, I, I, friendly. I, I, by the way, I'm sh- I'm shocked at how many sellers actually do not use a, a broker, a banker that fits that criteria. You know, you, I've come across quite a few uh, deals where it's clear that this is one of the first times the, the broker, the banker is selling this kind of a deal. And you just spot it right away. You know, like the terminology that they use or that the way, the way that they sort of present the opportunity is, is done in a way that just kind of doesn't really totally make sense if you're a sophisticated buyer and you sort of know what to be looking for. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, all the time yeah. I see on, on smaller deals, they'll put a, a residential real estate broker who's the buddy of this owner. Totally. Will, will list it and they have no idea what they're doing or what the market value is, which, you know, I'm just licking my chops when that happens. Yeah, it just, I, 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 am, I feel bad for the sellers in that situation in a way, right? They're actually just... They're, yeah, they're, no, I don't. I don't feel bad for them. <laughs> this is the difference between you and me. You know, I... I just. What, I, what are you saying? You're, I'm a bad guy. You're a good guy. Why would I, I feel bad? I wouldn't it's use their, their I wouldn't, decision. I wouldn't use those words. I just. I just feel like they're not being done a, a good service. But you know, they're they're getting a little bit. Um, they're not getting the best service, and they're not going to get the best price. And they've, and at least in my world, they've been potentially building this thing for 10, 20, 30 years. This is their retirement. And I just cringe a little bit when they're using a banker. Are you sure you want to be in the investment business? No, I don't. That's why I'm trying to buy a, buy a business and get out of it and actually run one. <laughs> This is why I'm a terrible investor. Um, so, Stop it. Okay, so You're volume. very good. Volume. No, really. I mean, you, how would you know? I haven't bought one yet. No. Good point. <laughs> yeah, so volume makes total sense to me. And then you, I think also just cultural fit, right? You need to be able to work pretty closely with this person, right? It's, they have to be a reasonable person who's, you know, they, they communicate with you in a good way, in a sort of an effective way, right? You're going to... You don't want somebody who even, the, you know, maybe you think they're going to get the highest price out there because they're a shark, but you don't want to, you don't want to work with an a-hole. No. And I've seen plenty of a-holes in this business and, you know, you, you uh, can't By the believe... way, we could probably just say asshole, but <laughs> I don't know why we're not. 
Yeah, I don't, well, this is a very clean show. It's, it's not like we t- are talking about vasectomies. Right. Right. I'm going to beep it next time you so, say that. So, yeah, this is big for me, too. I always want to work with people that I enjoy working with, and life is too short to work with, you know, pricks. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so, I, you know, obviously, yeah, the, the other stuff, right? They, they need to be competitive on price. You know, I think probably the right way to do this is to f- reach out to three or four, uh, two, three or four, and, and then once, you, you know, assuming you find one or two you really like, Maybe then you start to get into the weeds on price and maybe play them, play them against each other a little bit to get a fair price that you think is, you know, something low that you think is fair. Yeah. And to go back to one more point on the deal volume aspect, you, one of the reasons why you want somebody that does a lot of these deals is because you want, you don't want the buyers to piss them off. Right. And then on the next deal that this broker has, the buyer all of a sudden is not going to get that one. Right. You want uh, a broker that has some leverage with buyers. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. so we talk about that a little yeah, bit so more. Let, let's, let's do the opposite side. So when I find, when I come across a, a listing or something that's being marketed by a broker that I've never heard of before and has never done a mobile home park or a, a piece of property that I'm looking at before, I am way more willing to take a flyer on an offer uh, to try to like dig into the weeds and like, hey, I think I, I want this one, but you know, I, let's tie it up and put it under a contract. Mm. And, and yeah, figure oh, it out later. You're worried less about reputational risk. Exactly. Oh, it's I, a I one-time you. game. I got you. Right? Got you. Versus a multiplayer, multiple, you know, long-term type of game with a broker you're going to be working with for decades. That's No, that's a that's an excellent point. And, and well, thank a, you. And a subtle one, I might add. Yeah, yeah thank you. Nuanced. Um, but yeah, you, that's a good point. Yeah, so you want your banker or broker to have good, strong relationships with that universe of buyers so that you just sort of know you're going to get serious offers and it's going to go smoothly. Yeah, you don't want to waste pros' time. Right, somebody who you're going to be working with for a very long time. Make sure that you're pretty serious about wanting that deal. Yeah, and like, look, one of the questions you might ask a banker or broker when you're interviewing them is just, "Tell me about the the folks you would go out to 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 sell this business or this or this real estate." You know, that you'd want to know that they kind of off the top of their head, they understand your market, they know who the potential buyers are, right? Yeah, and oftentimes they'll send you a list, right? So they'll they'll put together, "Hey, here's 30 groups," and you can add to it, subtract from it. You know, if you just know, hey, well, I'm not going to sell to that guy ever or gal, <laughs> um, you can, you can, guy's a jerk. Yeah. So yeah, you can kind of massage the list and uh, that's a good way to just kind of also vet the broker to figure out if they, they're a player. Yeah. And it, given that so much of selling, selling an asset is running a process, meaning like, okay, we're going to first, uh, you know, gather all the information then we're going to create this, you know, beautiful marketing deck. We're going to send it out to all these people. We're going to interview, you know, we're going to interview all the potential, well, you know, there's just a whole process here. I think you just want to look carefully about how they're running that process with you. And that, that should be a good signal to how they're going to run a process with a buyer. Yeah. yeah so, you want good communicators. You want people that are getting back to you quickly with answers, right? Cause that's going to, that's a reflection of how they're going to be with potential buyers. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, if you're, if you're a broker and you, you blast this out to the universe, you're going to get bombarded with stuff. Yeah. So you generally don't want somebody that's just a lone wolf unless it's a very niche kind of asset class and maybe a smaller deal. You, you generally want somebody that has, has a team, right? They, they have some you know, financial analysis ability behind them, whether it's you know, somebody junior or maybe they outsource it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. 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 So, the, okay. So, sorry, transitioning a little bit. So, that's what to look for. But how do you find these folks? Like, what are some of the ways, let's say you're ready to sell your your commercial real estate building with Scotia. How do you go about finding the right bankers or brokers that meet the criteria that we just described? Well, you can just ask other people in your industry. Yeah, it's probably the easiest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you probably, if you've been in your, your industry for a while, you probably know other people that have sold 
and um, you know you can start to compile a list of folks that they've used. Yeah, in commercial real estate, you can actually just look on loopnet.com and kind of see who's doing a fair amount of transactions. And that's for kind of a smaller or mid-sized deal. If you're doing a, a very large deal, you're not going to find you know East Stilt Secured or these large you know real estate investment banking type of firms on Loopnet mm-hmm. too often. But uh, on the business side, it sounds like it, the the websites aren't going to be useful that useful for it. Oh, you mean the market like marketplaces? Yeah, yeah, I think the marketplaces and businesses are like the the biz by sells. The, the, usually, those are more kind of smaller broker, independent brokers, um, smaller deals. Or you I mean, can buy a nail salon. Yeah, like a lot of that kind of stuff. Pizza places, nail <laughs> car salons, wash. car washes. Yeah, although I like car wash businesses. Yeah, they're great. You know, I think um, if I were selling a business, which I hope to one day again, I guess I've sold one, and I, it was I got an unsolicited offer. I didn't use a broker, so there you go. There's a counterpoint. Yeah. Um, hey, wow. Wow, yeah. so you didn't go out and get uh, an auction process yeah, going. Now I'm feeling stupid. I, w- I wish I had listened to this episode first. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I would probably look at similar businesses that have been acquired over the last kind of 18 to 24 months and just Google those acquisitions and read the press release and find out who represented those uh, sellers and, you know, start to reach out to them. I think I know why you didn't use a broker. You're, you're such a nice guy. You wanted the, the, the buyer to get a good deal. Yeah. I felt, I felt, I, I would feel bad if they had to pay more than they ended up paying. <laughs> I want, I need to be able to sleep at night too. <laughs> uh, Can't wait to tell your wife that story. <laughs> she, oh, trust me. She knows <laughs> she's been trying to beat that out of me for years. Um, <laughs> all right. So there you have it. So yeah, that's uh, the reasons why you might want to buy, you know, use a broker or banker, why you might not, uh, things to look for, how to find them. Uh, I guess I would say in conclusion, yeah, hopefully you guys will all find yourself in a position out there to one day have to sell an asset and, and uh, hire a banker or a broker. And when you do, uh, go back and re-listen to this episode because you probably fell asleep the first time. And uh, hopefully you'll learn something and uh, maybe you'll get a head start. Good luck. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.